Hello, and welcome to Faculty Feed with me, Dr. Jerry Rabelais, Associate Vice President for Health Science Center Faculty Development at the University of Louisville. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Stacy Sainer, Director of HSC Faculty Development, and Dr. Laura Weingartner, Director of Research for Faculty Health Professions Education. Once a week, we're going to come together to use this podcast to bring faculty development content to feed your hunger and satisfy your appetite so you can magnify your impact as an educator, clinician, researcher, and academic leader. Hey, Rab, have you ever slept in and got upset with yourself? Yeah, that's happened. What about you've started a a new workout plan or something and then you just stop? That's happened in the past. I might be better at it than than I was, but how many of us have started in January and joined the YMCA and quit, didn't go back after March? And still paid for it. Oh, I play for it all year, right? (laughs) Exactly. What about, I'm wondering, I know a lot of our, our colleagues that are writing grants all the time and writing articles. You know what? I find it really hard, this one paper I've been working on, I start and stop start and stop. I just feel like I'm never going to get through it. Yeah, I think a lot of us are guilty of that. I know I've asked you about it for about a year now. and um, Don't remind me. (laughs) It doesn't seem to come through. And so it's yet another thing that it's just hard to change our behaviors and be deliberate about doing something like writing a manuscript and getting it out the door. You know what? When I was uh, had my kiddos at home, I used to always try to like think I wanted to prep all the meals for the week, like on Sunday, so that we didn't have to worry about what were we going to eat or, you know, maybe just grabbing fast food because we didn't have anything prepped. I don't know how many times that failed and we would end up ordering pizza or running through some other fast food restaurant. Oh, gosh. That's just so annoying. It takes a lot of discipline to do that. And it's a common problem most of us have is to be able to come up with the energy and the planning. It's a great plan, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't end up in a product like Meals for the Week, then it failed. Change is really hard. You're right, Stacey. Change is really hard. And it, it's one of the reasons why most change initiatives fail whether it's us as individuals making these kind of plans that we've just talked about, or how many times have you seen at the organizational level where a new strategy comes through or a new policy or a new you know plan for how we're going to do things, and you just wait a little while and it goes away. Whether you're at the individual level or a team level or a full organizational level, changing anything is really, really difficult. One of the things I've noticed with change is there's this tension that exists between the rational part of your mind, you know this is what you should do, versus your emotional heart. Like, I know I should drink more water and not drink soda during the day. Right. How many times I bring my water bottle, I'm, I know I'm going to make it through the day, and then something happens, uh, and I'm like, all right, I'll just get a Coke. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll glide through. Or or how many times have we thought about revamping a presentation that we've given year after year? You're sort of running out of time. You delay. You run out of time. And and then you end up redoing the same one you did for the past two years. Yeah. And it happens to all of us. And, And there is this great distance, a chasm almost, between our brain and our heart in terms of how we think about and rationalize, yes, this is the right thing to do, and yet come up with the emotional commitment that we're going to actually do it this time. And, you know, our our rational mind plans for the long term. It knows what's best, but our emotional heart resists these rational plans, and it tends toward the, the quick fix, the immediate comfort 
The Coca-Cola. The Coke, giving the same presentation over and over again, staying in bed instead of going down to your workout Workout, room and and working out. And, And this is true in all of us. Well, you know, it was probably about 2011 I read this book. It's called Switch, How to Change Things When Change is Hard. And it's by Dan and Chip Heath. And I know not too long after I started here at the university, I introduced it to you, but you were so busy, you never even thought to read it until closer to about 2019. So what did you think of that book? Well, you know, after I read that book three years ago, you know, it really struck me at how how true it was to the real world I'd experienced where I'd seen strategic plans and change initiatives at the organizational level, certainly, and even at personal level, and, and they fail. More times than not, they fail. And it's not just true for us at the University of Louisville. It's true for most organizations. This book, once I read it, it really gave me sort of a, a scheme or a roadmap or a template to think about how might I approach culture change in a whole different way. And so what we'd like to do today is talk about the components of that book and, and give you listeners a, a chance to think about the kind of things in there, because our goal ultimately is to convince you to read the book. We thought so much of this book that we introduced it into our leadership training program, the Liam program, and we just think it's a powerful way to think about change. So why don't we talk more about that? Let me paint a picture. So I want everybody, all right, if you're driving, don't do this, close your eyes. Think about you are on top of a adult seven-ton African elephant, right? So you're sitting on top of the elephant and you need to get the elephant to go in a specific direction to get to a specific outcome. But as you look out to the road ahead of you, it's very curvy. There's boulders, there's logs, and you're still on top of the elephant. So there's a, there's a, in this illustration, then there's a rational rider. That's you. The guy on, on top, top of the elephant, that's you. <laughs> there is this massive emotional elephant that's sort of the heart emotion inertia that sort of keeps things from changing. And the final component is a path that takes you from where you are to where you want to be. And, and what this book does is it walks you through the unique components of the rational rider, the emotional elephant, and how to shape that path so culture change at your level or an organization can be easier to implement. So let's talk about that. So the first part is direct the writer. So think about it for a minute. This this is the the rational writer. This is, you know, you know what's best, right? You I know I shouldn't be drinking soda. I don't need the caffeine. I don't need what's in carbonated beverages. I know that. But what do I do? Sometimes I still go grab that Coca-Cola. Remember that us as humans, we have this resistance to change. And sometimes if we lack this clarity um, of where we're going, or there's, you know, it seems like there's too many steps to get to where we want to be, you know, it's, it's really hard. So the first thing that we would want to think about is how can we get that rational writer to be able to move in the direction that we want to go. The key point is that the rational rider is going to rationalize. It's going to hear all the arguments and it's going to spin around. It's not going to ever quite get going and, and try and make the elephant move. And so the rider needs clarity, 
to achieve the goal. There are three specific steps. Stacy, why don't you tell us what those three specific steps are to directing the rider? The first step that is really one of my favorites is called finding the bright spots. And so to find a bright spot, you are looking out either over your organization or anywhere and looking for somewhere, something that is happening the way you want it to go, right? So for an example. Right now. Right now. It's happening in the current environment. Correct. And so one of the examples that I like to think about, you know, being a Texas native, we all love Southwest Airlines. And so when you think about Southwest and Dave Keller and all the work that he did to make it such a great airline that's been around and competed with all these airlines that have gone defunct by now. And now it's just like Southwest is, is up there with American and Delta and they're a bright spot in the yeah. airline industry. Yeah, they figured out how to do uh, air travel uh, through all the turmoil over the past 40 years and, and survived and have done it very well. And, and so they're a great example of a bright spot. What, what are the other two components of Direct a Rider? Well, the second one is really about providing a specific direction. And sometimes they call it point to the destination. What is it that we're going to achieve? How's it going to look when we get there? You know, you're going to really create that uh, idea of where we're headed. You describe it as what? Yeah, one example that, that came to mind as, as, as I read the book was, how many times have you been involved in a committee where specific direction wasn't given? And the committee met every month for what seemed like ever, forever, and it got nowhere. It kept bringing up new arguments. It kept asking for more information, more data. There was this analysis paralysis circle that you got caught up in. And in the absence of a clear deadline or a clear uh, direction to head, the committee just kept meeting and never really accomplished anything. So that's what I think of in terms of that second component of director rider. What about scripting the critical moves? That's the third component for directing the rider. What does that one mean? So when scripting the critical moves, it's really this approach that you can take to take advantage of the rider's brain, right? You're taking advantage of that rational rider, the strength they love to plan. They love to avoid their weaknesses and they want to get something accomplished. But you know what? Sometimes it's really hard to get moving. And so the example that that came to my mind is folks that have difficulty getting a paper out the door, writing that manuscript. Well, we have an institutional license to the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity, or the NFCDD, and they have things where they will send you a daily email, kind of like, hey, when are you going to write today? (laughs) Hey, when are you going to write today? You know, and sometimes that gets annoying, but it's like helping you see step by step the things that you need to accomplish to get it checked off your list. So this first component, direct a writer, it's critically important that we appeal to people's rational mind to explain the why behind what needs to be changed or to explain it to yourself. And these three steps of um, finding bright spots, providing specific direction, and scripting the critical moves all contribute to helping this rational rider get going in terms of having a clear idea of where they need to go. But Jerry, I know I shouldn't drink soda. Yeah. I know. And you know you should prepare meals on Sunday for the week. And exactly. You know, you know you should stay the at the gym membership. The rational Stacy knows this. Right. But what's the problem? So what do we know is that 
change, change efforts fail because most change efforts only appeal to the rational mind. Uh, somebody puts together a PowerPoint presentation, explains all the reasons why something <laughs> ought to change. Everybody waits long enough, it finally dies. Because there was never an appeal to the emotional, the heart uh, behind it. And, and so appealing to the mind is necessary, but it's just not sufficient to impact real change. You need the tremendous power. Think of this elephant that's providing the, iner- the inertia. If you got that elephant moving, boy, the likelihood of success at any change effort would be greater. And so in addition to appealing to the rational mind, we must appeal to what's called in this book, the emotional elephant. So the, the thing I like to point out is really trying to fight inertia and indifference with analytical arguments is like tossing a fire extinguisher to someone who is drowning. That's a quote out of the book. And I find that it's really really true. The solution just doesn't match the problem. And so there are some several things that we can do to get to that emotional elephant. And one of the things is to find the feeling. And, you know, that's for those folks that are kind of reluctant to move. So how can we find the feeling? Elephants are easily spooked. You yeah, know? they are. I've heard that. I've never really spent much time with real elephants. Well, we know that any change effort brings uncertainty. And, and for the think of the emotional elephant. Uh, I think the illustration that works for me is is the mouse that scares the elephant, yes. right? And and any little change is going to spook that elephant. And how, what can you do as the leader of the change effort, uh, whether it's you're leading yourself or leading a, a group of people? You have to provide reassurance and encouragement that the amount of change needed is not as great as they fear it might be. So it needs to be easier than they thought it would be. Yeah, so you got to, in addition to helping them find the feeling for this this change effort, they have to know that you're going to make it so that it's easy to take the first step. And in the book, they call that shrink the change. That's, that means if you're writing a manuscript, you're not going to write it in one day. You're going you're gonna to like write the objectives for the for the outcome. Uh, You'll write the discussion section or something as you start out. But you you shrink the amount of change so that the elephant isn't spooked, that it becomes easy to do. And you know what? Sometimes when you get early successes, you can build momentum. Right. And so that early success can start them down the path and you're like, okay, I can do this. And, And the early successes build on themselves, creating that momentum and just imagine the momentum of a big, how many tons? Seven tons? Seven, I looked it uh, up. Seven ton elephant. Imagine the, the momentum that comes when that thing starts to move. So remember, if we can just back up and recap now. So you get a rational rider. You've, you've set a clear idea of where he needs to go. Yes. Now you're appealing to the emotional elephant. You're providing the ability to get him to move by shrinking the change. And the final step in in this motivate the elephant piece is something they call grow your people. We think of it as a growth mindset. So how does that apply in this situation in change efforts? So let me define growth mindset real quickly before we apply it to this situation. So a growth mindset, think of a continuum. From one side is a fixed mindset to the other side of the continuum is growth mindset. Now we as human beings, we live up and down that continuum with lots of different topics. But a growth mindset is that individual that see mistakes 
as an opportunity to learn and grow and they're not afraid to try new things. Well, they could be afraid, but they will do it. And versus the fixed mindset, those individuals are like, I can't do that. I don't know how I can't learn, right? And so with grow your people, um, we want to instill this growth mindset in the people that we work with and work around so that they can realize that, you know, we're, there could be some failures, but you know what? Failure is part of the learning process and we can persevere and we can get and complete this change. So, so if change efforts bring uncertainty, and we try to address this by the things we've talked about already, the growth mindset simply tells people you're not able to do it yet, but that you will. And, and here's how we're going to approach things so that this kind of change effort is doable and you will be able to learn it. And so by giving people this sense that they can learn new things, they can learn this different way, you've appealed to their rationality, now you're making this part, the emotional elephant, get a little momentum and move, that's just two-thirds of the way though, right? Because you're not finished yet. So let's talk now about the final component that brings, uh, that the book Switch brings forward, and that's called Shape the Path. So one of my favorite quotes from Switch about Shape the Path before we even explain what that means is shape the path. What looks like a people problem is often a situation problem. So think about that for a second. When shaping the path, we are tweaking the environment to help people choose the right behavior, right? We are helping them figure out the right behavior is easier than the alternative. So one example of that, like in a hospital setting, is is uh, most safety initiatives. Mm -hmm. The assumption has been in the past that these were people problems, that some person messed something up and that's why a safety issue, like the wrong medication was given to a patient. But the whole safety safety initiative that, that's developed over the past decade really addresses it in this very way by by making it harder to do the wrong thing and easier to do the right thing. It allows the, the path of the process, in, in this case, delivering a medication to a patient, the right drug, um, it makes that easier to do for all the parties concerned. So the environment is tweaked in a way that facilitates a safe environment for administering medications. And, and so in this book, when they talk about tweaking the environment, it's the kind, that's the kind of thing they're talking about, where you do something as the person in charge of the change initiative to make it harder, make it, I'm sorry, to make it easier for the right thing to be done. Correct. So what's the second part? Well, the second one is around building the habits. So building good habits drives the right behaviors. So think of habits that serve the mission and are relatively easy to embrace and recognize that no one is sure how to behave in times of change. And this uncertainty causes people to look at others for cues. Well, how should I act in this situation? I bet that kind of goes right back to what you were talking about yeah. with quality safety in the hospital setting. Yeah, it does. And, and so for, for shaping the path, we have tweaking the environment, building the right habits. And finally, as you're looking around at other people and how they're doing it, trying to get a cue as to what to do, rally the herd is the third one. And behavior is contagious. 
So you got to help it spread. That's a quote directly from the book because once it starts moving in the right direction, I just saw a special last night on a, on a documentary of wildebeests Ooh. and in Africa and how they move together and they're they're hesitant before they cross this river because it's full of crocodiles. Yeah. But at some point, the herd gets rallied and they just start, all of a sudden they start moving. And so what we want to do is change agents in our systems is to help shape this path by changing the environment, building the right habits, and getting the herd to start to move uh, in, in the direction that we want it to go. It's, this, is, this could involve just removing obstacles and, and just helping this thing go forward. And so this whole notion of switch, this book, is filled with case studies that illustrate these principles for successful change efforts. You know, if you don't have time to read the whole book, then there's a, there's a link we'll put in the show notes to a, a short eight-minute video cartoon that illustrates and summarizes the book. Changing behavior is hard. And it's hard because there's this tension between the rational mind and the emotional heart. In our case, in this book, the rational rider and the emotional elephant. And if your past efforts have failed to change behaviors, you may not have addressed both your head and your heart. If efforts that you've tried on your team or in your classroom or in your laboratory or at the organizational level have failed, it may be because the change effort was focused only at the rational approach and not appealing also to the emotional component and the inertia that comes with, think of that big, big elephant. And so you may want to consider adopting the approach that's taken in Switch. It's fairly simplistic in terms of how it explains it. It's easy to remember, still hard to do. Absolutely. So I'll put the link to the video in the show notes, as well as uh, the citation for the book. If you're thinking about a change effort, Switch may be the book for you. If you want to up your game as a professional educator or to enhance your leadership skills in the academic setting, this is the place to be as together we strive to make UofL a great place to learn, a great place to work, and a great place to invest. Don't forget to check out the show notes for links and additional information from today's session, as well as our email address. Feel free to contact us at factfeed at louisville.edu that's F-A-C-F-E-E-D at louisville.edu. Join us next time for more and come hungry.